Okay. This afternoon, I'm sitting with Bo DeBoard, Putnam County's Middle School Teacher of the Year. This is um, educational royalty that I'm sitting here with. He's laughing. He's <laughs> I laughing. I knew so. he's going to laugh. Yeah, I don't think so. Bo teaches at the at uh, the Vital Program, the part that's housed at Prescott. And I thought that instead of me gabbing, you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what you teach. Oh, okay. Yeah, just turn me loose. Let's just go. Let's see how it is. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my name is Bo DeBoard. I am a fifth and sixth grade teacher with the Vital Program. We've been teaching uh, virtually for, what, three years now. Wow, it's gone quick. Two, three years. And uh, it's it's totally different than what was happening during COVID. So that's every, that's the first thing that jumps into everybody's mind. When you say you are a virtual teacher, they're like, oh, yeah, we know how uh-huh. that works. That's what we try to tell people. It is not remote learning. It is online learning, which is completely different. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's not where you sat and waited for a group of students twiddling your thumbs to actually come online. That's or turn on their it, camera. Or turn their camera <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. That, that the thing. Yeah. Oh, good. So, um, what else can you tell us? Oh, yeah. Been teaching for, gosh, how long? 17 years. I am probably the most disorganized teacher you'll ever meet in your life, but uh, somehow I like to hold it together at the seams and I, I make it happen. Um, but no, there, it's I've gotten better with all the chaos activity that I have um, or energy that I bring to the table in the classroom. Um there is there is some professionalism snuck in there somewhere, but <laughs> but that yeah, um, been started off teaching science or started off teaching history actually, and then within the next year got the opportunity to teach science, which was where my heart and background was at, and then from there um, transitioned a lot to uh, like a STEM classroom, similar IB classroom, and then landed over at Vital. And so it's it's been a, it's been a long road. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? A wonderful place to land. Uh, it is. It is probably. <laughs> um, it, it's been a very good place to land. Mm-hmm. I would say. I agree. Um, what inspired you to become an educator, and how was that inspiration? Has that inspiration evolved over the years? Uh, terrible teachers inspired me. That's it. It's really what it was. Yeah. No, we like. Well, they do. They do because. Oh, all right. They teach you what not to do. I, I was. I remember so much in middle school being so frustrated with certain teachers that had the clicky groups that they were so, you know, attacked. Oh, like, these are my pet kids and they're my favorites and they do everything. And I remember so many times just not being in that group and not being a part of all that and being like, man, this really stinks. And there there was a point in time, too, to where I remember the teacher mocking the students to a point to where, it, oh, no. you know, there's a point where, you know, you like to aggravate kids. I aggravate kids. I love to tease my <laughs> students. I do big time. <laughs> it's something I tell them you just have to be ready for it. It's going to happen. And it's not, it's not anything, but I always want to make sure that when I'm teasing them, I'm not doing it at a detriment to them. Something that's going to be, I don't, I don't know. That's going to whittle away or stay with them in a way for a yeah, long period absolutely. of time. Absolutely, Not, it's, not something that's degradate, you know, yeah. degradating or we, um, we ended up a lot degrading. With, yeah, degrading. I'm an English teacher. Okay, <laughs> we'll call it a Monday. Uh, <laughs> Thank that's you. okay. No, we ended up with so much going on 
to where they just nitpick away at the the students. I remember one time I had a teacher that just had me up at the front of the class. It was over algebra, and I just didn't get the whole concept of the letter being a number. You know, what what did X represent? And in my mind, you know, this stayed in this box, this stayed in this box, and everything had to be compartmentalized, and I functioned really well as a student. But when it came to algebra, it was a concept I didn't get. Every day for about an entire week, my teacher called me to the board. I said, all right, get up there, Bo. Let's see you work it. And I remember the laughs and the snickers and everybody just the whole time. And I was like, I can't get it. And that escalated my frustration so much more. And I was like, gosh. And, and, and it, it impaired me from being able to solve that problem. And then a week later, I was sitting there at the board. And I remember looking at that stupid board. And I was like, oh, I get it. And I felt humiliated, not a sense of achievement. But it And it wasn't like that light bulb moment where your eyes lit up in delight or anything. Yeah. It was like, oh. Yeah, no. And oh, from I that point so on. I feel so bad that I didn't get it like two days ago or whatever. Yeah, that makes that makes me sad. Yeah, no. And he was like, finally. Yeah, the board got it. And the slow clap all the way back. And I was like, whatever. You know, you, as a guy, you get kind of used to the locker room stuff. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it didn't really phase me too terribly much. But it made an impact on what I knew I did not want to be and I did not want to become. So when I first took my job as an educator and started pursuing education, it was so I was like, you know what? I'm going to fill that spot. So there's one less vacancy for somebody with that negative capacity towards students. I want to fill that gap and I want to make sure that it's it's a positive place for learning. And I was like. This is this is what I do, so that's why that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I do. I I I had those kind of teachers too. You know that I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want my students to just sit for the the whole hour and do nothing but worksheets. I don't want that. I don't think that. I, I that was one of the first things in my that struck me when I was a kid. I'm like this is so boring, and I wanted to make. I knew that if I ever wanted to be a teacher, it would be an English teacher. I knew that because mm-hmm. it was my my subject, and I love literature and all of that. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, I guess, Miss Huffine, Brenda Huffine, and I were talking about this the other day about how with English teachers, you just it's just like in our, not in our vocabulary to really be belligerent too much towards students. Maybe yeah. maybe there are some out there. There are some. They do exist. And I did have. Um, I, I do remember certain teachers at tech who were kind of like that towards some students but but anyway yeah when i when i started i think i wanted to model myself after my one of my favorite teachers who was just awesome and so i just knew that that's what i wanted to be so however it is you get here and you and you realize you you want to be with students you want to make an impact and you want to love on them and care about them and teach them you know um However, that works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's been so many good examples of coworkers that have interacted with students in a way that is just encouraging for humanity, the humanity of it. There's so many people don't understand in our occupation how much of an impact working with children has on just your emotional well-being because you become connected because you have to have some kind of empathy with their situation Absolutely. before you can ever start to address what their needs are as learners. And it, it, it starts there. 
yeah, absolutely. It starts with empathy. It starts with caring about what they're going through. Absolutely. And it's one of those situations to where people don't understand that sometimes when they are happy, we laugh. When they are sad, we cry. Right. I, it's just it's just a it's a human reaction to being around other individuals. They're smaller. They go through stuff, and sometimes we, our hearts break more because they are the innocent group. Yeah, you know, they can't help it. They don't know the choice. Even the middle school and high school kids, they don't know mm-hmm. the choices they're making sometimes, um, and it's just an emotional reaction. It's but the humanity that I see from my coworkers and stuff. For for example, like maybe a student on their eighth grade, um, their eighth grade dance had nothing, and these wonderful, wonderful ladies went together and approved it with the parents and everything else, and, and went shopping, got a dress, and that young lady got to attend. And it, it happens all the time. It does. And, and people don't see it. And those are the those unsung stories. heroes of education. Yes, exactly. You know, that's not going to translate to test data. That's not going to translate to anything else other than the fact that that child at that moment in time felt worth, you know, in a way that, you know, they might not have been able to take advantage of or take a, have an opportunity for. Right. So, uh, you know, just the idea of teaching just being these data sets and numbers and what we do it is extremely far, far off the mark. I feel like, um, you know, when you do those things for students, it makes them want to, to academically achieve more for you. But I don't feel like that's the goal. <laughs> I yeah. think that's the byproduct. Yeah, it really to me, is. it is. I, I mean, and maybe maybe that's the, not the right mindset or whatever. Maybe it's academia and academics and scholar. And I want to see the kids achieve. There is no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I want to see them raise their ACT scores. I want them to get that 21 money score so that they can go on to college and all this stuff. Not all of our kids will. Mm-hmm. And it, but but the caring part is the part. That has kept me in education. Yeah, yeah, it really has. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much that you see that this world kind of brings to the table, and when you see the weight of the world take a group of of children down a notch or two, there's something that has to fire up inside all of us at that point to say, "Hey, look, this is we got to make this right. We got to make this world a better place." And sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, the importance of what we're doing is that I'm not necessarily going to be able to provide. Because you, you do get into a dicey situation when you're starting to say what what those teachers did legally could be something that's misconstrued. Like we don't want to we don't want to pursue that always. That's not the goal for teachers to go out and make sure that people have gifts and things like that. That's not the system. Please, please don't take that away. But what I do want to say is that in the back of our mind, we are educating these children and providing those educational opportunities so that they may be able to escape situations um, of poverty, escape situations and break cycles and to live a life and start a new generational um, growth on their side so that they can they can live their best life 
in a Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. I've seen that happen for students. It's just on the high school end, whenever they are walking across the stage and you think, oh, man, I thought they wouldn't make it, but they did. And it just it's giving me chills right now just <laughs> thinking about it because I'm thinking about students throughout the years that I've taught that did. You know, when you think I had a little bit of something to do with that, I was a part of that in some small way, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any funny stories or memories that you can share from the classroom? <laughs> that I can share over the <laughs> that airwaves? That you can share that is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it. So many, so many stories, but <laughs> we're, we're limited on... Uh, just being able to identify individuals, yes, so I can't call do that. Them Bob or can't, call yeah. them Sally or whatever. <laughs> no, I will say this: in the virtual environment, we're kind of set up over at Prescott like a call center almost. Because I it's noticed like, that it's like cubicle, 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 and we're all talking at the same time. And if we've got noise canceling headphones and and everything else, but it's and microphones, but it's extremely hard when you first start because, especially for me, because I heard everything that everybody was saying and i'm like squirrel squirrel what's going oh, on that would be that would be me uh and i could it was so hard to focus and i just wanted to kind of hide in my corner but one of the benefits of that is that you get to hear conversations that are out of context <laughs> that teachers have with their students mm-hmm. and i'm gonna nathan twitty oh you are such a good friend and such a good source of just joy because He's hilarious. He, he, this coworker, I hear him talking all the time when we're in this environment, and I never thought I would hear certain phrases voiced at a, another human being. And it's, it's like I, I remember stopping in the middle of teaching one day. I was like, okay, kids, so let's go ahead and take a break and transition over. And then immediately, without missing a beat, I hear from the other side of the cubicle, I hear uh, such and such, put that – Plastic katana down. <laughs> I need you to put the kata- no, put the katana down, or I'm gonna have to go. And Nathan does not talk like this at all. But katana. he's like, put that katana down. And in my mind, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what is on his screen? And you're just totally trying to figure out what what that was. And he's like, do I need to get grandma? And in my back of my mind, I'm sitting there. Yes, yes, grandma needs to be you involved. There's do. a katana somewhere in this room. It was a toy katana or something else yeah. like that. But anyway, now you hear these things all the time and you're like, what is going on? And they are the same way with me. I'm sure they've – Nathan's probably got more stories on me than anybody else, but I, I'm going to plead the fifth on anything. <laughs> I would think probably you have more online stories, things that go on with – because I, I guess parents are thinking, well, I'm at home, things are, are more relaxed. And then stuff happens in the background. Yeah. It's like. There needs to be a good training course for parents (laughs) just to like, this is, this is Uh, online etiquette for, uh, you've seen all the Zoom meetings. Etiquette 101 Uh, (laughs) for Zoomers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You see all the, you see all the videos of the parent, the people that are doing Zoom meetings and all the, the train wrecks. Yes. Yes, yeah, that's what you're yes. getting. Yeah. Okay. Just go back. <laughs> what you need to do is you need to go online, folks, and you just need to look at these videos. And this is what 
Bo's talking about right now. <laughs> now, nothing, just... nothing extreme. I've not had anything extreme because there are probably some extreme some things extreme on the internet. Stuff, yeah, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, like the parent walking across without knowing that they're on screen, or you know, somebody yeah. getting a, brother and sister getting in a fight. There's in a the fight background. in the background. Yeah, I've had my that favorite happen. thing. My favorite thing to happen is when we're sitting there, and all of a sudden somebody leaves the house, and there's like a gajillion dogs in the house. And all of a sudden, there's this tidal wave of fur that just attacks the child. And the child is like, you know, I say attack, but they're they're just licking Aww. and loving on it. But, and it's like, ah, and I'm like, what is going on? And it's just, you see nothing but tails and ears and everything else right there. It's really hilarious. <laughs> I've had cats just walk across the screen. They've just walked across the screen with their tail in front of the screen doing this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's my cat whiskers. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> okay. Well, since you work for the Vital School, can you share a memorable? Well, I already, I already asked you that. Really, that's a. That's okay. a do you have a I memorable <laughs> online teaching moment that had a profound impact on your students? That maybe okay. That's that is a yeah. little bit different. No, that is that is totally different. Um, online teaching moment probably is going to be when I just man, I'm drawing a blank right now. But no, 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 no. As far as impact for the students, uh, when we are online, they end up having so much more bravery than what they normally would in a classroom for those introverted students. And so that's what I think it's really kind of fun because they bring more to the table. So I hear more of the little quips back and forth, and there's a little bit of wit and humor in there, but... As far as the impact, I remember I specifically had a group of young ladies that were so quiet. They wouldn't talk to anybody. There was one catalyst that loved to talk, and she will know who she is. If she, I doubt <laughs> if they're listening. <laughs> but anyway, they it sparked conversation back and forth, back and forth. And before long, they decided that they were going to be starting a little writer's club. And I was like, all right, well, we started going off on a tangent now at this point and started talking about as a class the impact of uh, or the need to refine your writing skills and how to grow those and, I you know, kind of go through and do all the things. And uh, you, you don't become a good writer right off the bat. You got to you got to really go and it's OK to imitate other people because that's what you do when you first start writing. And they formed like a little club, and they were sharing writings with each other, and they were uh, coming up with short stories, and one was writing a novel, and you oh, know you get all awesome. those things. I mean, it, it happens a lot across, but just seeing that unfold in the classroom right there to where they could grow and and really find find their people and and find their place. Um, they're still sharing writing with me today. Uh, one I, one is in India right now, all the way on the other side of the globe, and she will send emails oh. with just text. And then uh, some of the others, they they were big into poetry and things like that. And it's it's a good feeling to to see that happen. I love the fact that really online teaching or even hybrid, which is what I do, is uh, it's limitless. People think that you're limited, but mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I think it's the opposite. I I don't think people realize that y- there's so many more ways out there that you can reach students. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it gives them a different 
um, the ones that are traditionally home in the online environment, they've got a kind of unique skill set anyway because they they like to be on the computer or they like to do this or that or uh, things of that nature. I do notice that when we do have free time, I will take and um, play a game or two. It'll be like an educational game, like 99 Math or something along those lines, but I'll jump in with them. And just that crossing that boundary and going into their world a little bit with the games and kind of competing with them, they they love it. And it's it <laughs> it kind of brings about a little mm. classroom culture, yes. so to speak, that they're they're able to talk about what happened in the class and like, oh I beat Mr. DeBoer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming to get you. Yeah, that so. kind of thing. It's wonderful. Yeah, I like I like playing games like that with this with my students, both in person and online, you know, the Kahoot stuff is great. The quizzes oh, yeah. is great because you can watch them as one person's going up, the next person's going up, then, you know, they're trying to climb, out-climb each other. Oh, it's yeah. great. It's the best. <laughs> um, we have about three minutes left, but I really wanted to get around to talking a little bit about uh, cybersecurity. And uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about what you do with your cybersecurity team and I think it's cutting edge as far as I'm concerned. It's great. Cybersecurity. Okay, so what we do in our environment right now, the two main competitive ranges that we have are Cyber Patriot Program and National Cyber League, and they are two very different entities. And the reason why that we are – that there's a need for this, we are gamifying a very real-world situation that – is becoming a major problem in the U.S. because the more that data grows and more people that put more information online, there's a larger need for that information to be protected. And quite frankly, there's not enough jobs. Uh, there's uh, jobs available not and not people. enough people to supply it. And so federal, this is coming down from federal programs like Homeland Security, Department of Defense, uh, you know, just you name an acronym, almost all of them have a competitive cyber event kind of thing to help train kids because that's where the workforce is seeing a huge gap. And so the games are really fun. They get to go in and try to secure like a system, like a hacker has come in and attacked. And But then when you go over to National Cyber League, that's Cyber Patriot. When you go over to National Cyber League, it's more specific skill sets like – Uh, cryptography, like how to hack a password or something along those lines. And you may think that, well, that's teaching them how to hack. Well, you, they have to understand how it's done in order to To understand how it's defended. Yeah. So, and also too, that leans into them becoming experts on password security with their family and friends. And like, they, they're like, no, to secure this, it happens all the time. The kids get involved with all this, and then all of a sudden they become little experts on it, and they start forming little communities of how to do this and that. One of our students that I share with uh, Scott Waits over at Cookville High School, um, it, they come in and work with our NCL team, and they're, they're enrolled there at Cookville High School. They, she saw somebody hand a USB drive to someone for that was like a – Oh, gosh, like a little uh, convention or something. And it had all the files for everything that you would need for your classroom. And he was handing out USB. And she, as a 
junior walked over to that that gentleman and was like, "Sir, do you know how unsecure this is?" <laughs> <laughs> and she she began to educate this adult on why this is a bad idea to have a USB that nobody knows what it is plugging into a device. Yeah. So, but yeah, really cool stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Bo, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. You're awesome. And I would, I would love to have you again. I'd love to talk a little bit more about cybersecurity. Oh, yes. And, absolutely. and I didn't even, I may have asked you three questions. So. <laughs> That's okay. If I took minutes. over, I am so sorry. No, no uh, that, you're my guest, so you should take over. <laughs> That's how I see it anyway. All right. Well, thank right. you so much for having me. Thank you. Class is dismissed.